0: Welcome to Rise of the Black Republican Podcast. I am your host, Lawrence Haley. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the month-long hiatus I took, because honestly, June was just too much. It's liberal overload between Juneteenth and Pride Month. I just had to tap out. We had federal indictments, Supreme Court rulings, the return of Tucker. The month just had a lot going on. Also, I took the opportunity to tweak my podcast voice I wanna be more loose, a little bit more natural, less monotone and more me. I took some time to reflect over the past month. One of those influences for my introspection was a conversation I had with my father at the beginning of the month. He called me and he was asking about my post on Facebook about the black Republican and he said he assumed, without any judgment, that I was the black Republican and he was genuinely curious as to why I took that stance and what made me decide to be a Republican. He and I had a very honest two-hour conversation And as we talk through some of my top reasons, I realized that I was challenged to structure and organize my top 10 reasons as to why I'm a Republican. More importantly, why I see this is the only way that Blacks, and honestly any God-fearing American, can truly be free while the left is pushing anti-American, socialist, and Marxist agendas. And that said, today's episode is the Why episode, part one. I'm going to walk through five of my top 10 reasons. Of course, we'll still cover the story I hate and the story I love. And the podcast wouldn't be complete without the absurdity of the week. So we're going to break this up into two parts. This will be part one. We're going to go through these top five reasons for now. All right. So hear me out. Number one. I was raised this way. Looking back at my upbringing, there was a hard work work ethic instilled in me. I remember... Before I was even sixteen, a lot of people are going to relate to this. These aren't stories that are unique to just me. But before I was sixteen, I had two jobs. I had a paper route at some point, and I'm probably you know fourteen or fifteen, freshman in high school, and then another point, I worked the summers at their local fair. It was called the Canfield Fair, and I would do concessions at the fair. So number one, that work ethic. I believe that working and earning your living is a conservative value, as opposed to the liberal approach of, oh, you deserve this, so you're going to get it. Oh, just because you've been economically challenged in the past, we owe you this. Or, oh, life isn't fair and you're not at the same playing level as everyone else, so we're going to give you this equity to help you out. That was number one, my work ethic. And the work ethic that was instilled in me from my parents. My dad, every summer, used to have me helping him out in the yard, doing yard work. We didn't get to just sit around and do nothing. A lot of my friends used to tease us and joke because they would be running in the streets, and then here we were literally digging holes in the backyard. My dad did fire pits back there every year. One year, he made a pond in our backyard. He actually dug a big pond and filled it up with a tarp and water and fish and whole nine yards. But we were always out there doing yard work, whether we were cutting grass, raking leaves, doing something. So that hard work work ethic was instilled in us as a child. Another thing that I remember growing up was a book that really had an impact on me. It was called To Be Popular or To Be Smart, A Black Choice. I remember that book talking basically about we have a choice as young Blacks In America where we can be popular and go along with our peer group get in trouble be the class clown or we can be smart that was something that stuck with me as a child into my teens and into my adulthood where it was okay we can be popular or we can be smart and ultimately to be honest with you I think that once you choose to be smart eventually you end up becoming popular Another thing I remember being instilled I me, mean, another value contributing to how I was raised was streetlights. I joke about streetlights all the time because when I grew up, when the streetlights came on, you better be in the house or in your yard. I think it was in the house, to be honest with you. But that was the signal of a value that you're not going to be running the streets. You're not going to be out and about. Your parents aren't going to not know where you're at. You're going to be home when the streetlights came on these were good values that I was raised with. And in comparison to some of my liberal friends who just were allowed to do whatever they wanted to do. And there was no rules. There was just complete anarchy. These are some things that helped contribute to me saying that I was raised with conservative values. I was raised this way. Number two was The man, the number two reason why I am a conservative or Republican is the man growing up as a black man in America or even just, you know, black people in general. They're always telling you, oh, the man's holding you back. The man's oppressing you. So I started to say, like, "Okay, who is the man and what does that mean? If you really start to peel back the layers, the man is the stereotypes that tell you who you should be as a black person in America. So, I decided as far as back as I can remember, who knows, I don't know if I was in middle school, high school, where I was at what grade or age I was at, but I do remember vividly making a choice to say I'm going to fight against these stereotypes. I'm going to defy expectations. I'm not going to fit into the mold that quote unquote, the man thinks I should fit into. And when I say the man, Again, if you look at it, you can call it whatever you want to call it. You can call it liberal media. You can call it the stereotypes. You can call it culture. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But the man is not a person. The man is not a thing. The man is the system. I decided from an early age I was not going to be a victim of the system. And I was not going to fall into the mold of the system. I was going to be my own person and fight those stereotypes and defy expectations, which was another part of challenging the man because I thought about something and I remember this, I can vividly remember I was out of high school. I sat there and thought about the definition of minority. I said to myself, a minority doesn't go along with the majority. It's the exact opposite. So if I'm a minority in America, by definition, I should not be doing what everyone else is doing. So if most of my peers are out running the streets if most of my peers are out sagging their pants, if most of my peers don't think education is important, if most of my peers want to be thugs, then I don't need to be. I'm a minority. I automatically fit into the definition of not doing what the majority are doing anyways. Another thing that kind of struck me is, well, if the majority of my peers are Democrats, I'm going to be the opposite. I'm going to challenge that. and I'm going to defy expectations. I think another one... That fits into this challenging the man or challenging the system was the idea that the only way out the hood, and by no means did I grew up in Compton or in the streets of New York, but the only way to get out of the inner city or to get out of the city and the challenges of the inner city is through basketball or football or rapping. Again, fighting those stereotypes, fighting those challenges. I said, you know what? I'm going to find a way out. It's not through those methods. It's through hard work. It's through applying myself. It's through getting an education. It's through taking ownership. It's through not being a victim. Those are all some things that kind of contributed to that challenging the man and who is the man. Number three would be for me, Democratic shackles. As I really looked at the things that the Democratic Party represented, this is probably when I started in high school. I can remember around 1992 having some classes at Ursuline High School. I remember talking about some of the Democratic policies. I, I remember talking about how welfare was Democratic, handouts, things like that were all. And I looked at it really as control tools, like if the system can keep you dependent, then you're never really free. I said, you know what? We fought for freedom and we wanted freedom. So how are we falling right back into the trap and the snares of Democratic shackles? If you look at some of the Democratic policies, crime ridden cities, and this isn't just now, this has been going on for years. Again, back to 1992, this is 30 years ago now. Yeah, 30 years ago that we're talking about these things that were going on. When I stopped and really learned the difference between Republican and Democrat, that Republicans want small government. They don't want an overreaching government in your pocket telling you what to do, controlling you. I said, well, heck, the only way that we can be free is by embracing the Republican model of government and the Republican model of freedom. That was my number three. You know, It's defying and fighting those Democratic shackles. Just a quick recap, number one, raised this way. I was raised to be a conservative, even though that might not have been the intention. Number two is who is the man and challenging the man of the system. Number three was getting rid of those democratic shackles. And number four was my African-American studies class I took when I was in college. I mentioned this briefly before about how our religious belief in the African-American community is a strong factor of our identity. These are all three different things to me That when I took this class, we talked about what makes African-Americans culture unique and some of their qualities of their culture were a strong religious belief, pro-life and anti-gay. I was talking to my dad about this and I said, in the black community, if you found out somebody was gay, man, that person, they got ridiculed at family barbecues. They got ridiculed at the family reunions. It was not, oh, embrace them and oh, go support Johnny because Johnny wants to be, you know, Johnny, it was Man, Johnny, sweet. You better somebody better go do something for Johnny. Somebody man him up, and that's how we dealt with some things like that in the in the black communities. My African American studies class made me realize that African American values are more aligned with conservative values than they are liberal values. And based on who we are as a people, we really shouldn't be bracing liberal and democratic values. Then number five. This was interesting and something I thought about more and more as an adult. But two of my biggest influences growing up, actually, I had five black male influences growing up. My dad, number one, we had a nuclear family. He was physically present in my entire life, which I'm super grateful for. I had another friend of mine, his father, James Harvey. A friend of his was a guy named Frank Bellamy. Then lastly... Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Growing up, you're taught these guys were opposing forces. One believed in unity, one believed in separation. And at the end of the day, both of them believed in the same thing. They both believed in a better America for black people. Martin Luther King specifically believed in a better America for all people. He believed that as we focus on rights and equality for the Negro, that would make the whole better. And I agree with that. The one thing that Dr. King would probably, lose his mind about today is how segregated we are making ourselves we're not focusing on unity we're focusing on affinity there's a big difference i was talking to someone i work with he said this was during i want to say it was january and we were talking about dr king people were wearing buttons that said black is brilliant or black brilliance My buddy who's an asian man said Dr. King would be upset at this because he emphasized and stressed that we should be judged on the content of our character, not the color of our skin. If you're automatically going to say, just because I'm black, I'm brilliant, or black brilliance, that is counter- to do what Dr. King taught. Dr. King said, I'm not judging you based on the color of your skin, so I'm not going to sit here and say, just because you're black, you're brilliant. I'm going to sit there and say, prove it to me. Show me your content, your character. Who are you as a person, which is going to make you brilliant? I'd be surprised to see if Dr. King wouldn't be a conservative in today's atmosphere and today's climate. Malcolm X. A lot of people don't know the whole story of Malcolm X and some of the things he said, but he wanted independence and not dependency. He wanted blacks to have our own thing and not be dependent on, quote unquote, the white man. But if you zoom in back what I was talking about before, Democratic shackles, he was against the system and the oppressive system of liberals. He's talked about the difference between white liberals and white conservatives. I was joking around with my dad and Malcolm X wasn't a fan of white people in general when he first started doing his speeches, but he really was not a fan of liberals. He talked about how liberals only used minorities and race as a game and as a pawn, as a tool. He actually said that blacks and minorities are being used as a political football in the game that conservatives and liberals are playing against each other. He said a lot of things. He even stressed that liberals are extremely hypocritical in how they play the game that they are the friend of the negro and friend of blacks when all the while they really don't care about blacks at all and all this echoes true today i found a video on youtube the other day it was pretty cool malcolm x talking about liberals versus conservatives and throughout all the comments everyone said man this speech and throughout all the comments everyone's saying this speech aged like fine wine and it sounds just like joe biden today it's actually It was funny because when I was in high school, these guys had a big influence on me growing up as far as looking for a national black leader or someone who represented black thought aside from like Jesse Jackson. I really idolized both of them and I tried to figure out how in the world I could combine both of their thought processes into one philosophy. I remember my friends calling me Malcolm Luther X or yeah, Malcolm Luther X I think it was they used to joke around and call me because of some of the stances I would take because at the end of the day both Martin Luther King and Malcolm X said we will no longer be victims. That is something that the liberal platform is pushing today that oh, so, so sorry for you minorities because you guys are victims and we're going to do this we're going to do that we're going to have critical race theory we're going to teach all these different things that teach you that you are a victim and we're going to help you through diversity equity and inclusion to balance the playing field as long as you give us your vote so those are five for now we're going to get into my next five next week which are going to be social responsibility preserving the future race isn't the issue, class is, and why the rise of the black Republican is not a moment, it's a movement. But for now, let's get into the story I hate. Riley Gaines versus Britney Spears. Well, Let's start off with Britney Spears, and then we'll go into Riley Gaines, and I'll explain who Riley Gaines is. Britney Spears recently went on Twitter because she stated that she was following a NBA basketball player, or rookie, I guess, she saw him at a hotel and she's a big fan of him, blah, blah, blah. She's trying to get his attention. She reaches on his shoulder, grabs him and gets smacked by his security. Anyways, long story short, CNN covers this story. CNN picks it up. Their headline is Britney Spears alleges assault by NBA rookies security team. The reporter that was covering the story just started going on about how this player is seven foot four britney spears is only five foot four and blah blah wait a minute wait a minute what does he have to do with her height and what does his height have to do with her height he didn't touch her it was his security team supposedly secondarily they went on and they're talking about how britney spears got so offended because as they're interviewing the nba player her name is victor Oh, this guy's name, Victor Bengama, I believe it is. As they're interviewing him, he's telling the story and he's like, Oh, yeah, they told me that Britney Spears was trying to get a hold of, it, was trying to grab me. And he kind of joked about it. He's like, I'm like, Britney Spears? What? You know, he's like, Wow, really? Britney Spears? So she gets offended and said that she was offended that he was laughing when he was talking to the reporters. She goes on Twitter, says that this isn't a laughing matter. And this is actually a quote from Britney Spears. She goes on to say, this story is super embarrassing to share with the world, but it's out there already. Okay, Uh, you're the one talking about it on Twitter. You're the one sharing the story. You're the one blowing it up. So number one, how embarrassed are you really? Because you're the one who promoted the story. The thing I hate about it is the way CNN covered it compared to Riley Gaines. So let's talk about Riley Gaines. Riley Gaines is a female swimmer who competed against Lila Thomas. If you don't know who Lila Thomas is, Lila Thomas is a man who quote unquote is identifying as a woman, broke all these records and won a championship for swimming. Now he actually beat Riley Gaines as far as we all know, but what really happened is he tied Riley Gaines to the millisecond. They had a photo finished millisecond tie, but because he was a man identifying as a woman. She was told that she had to step down and could not receive her trophy, and that he was going to get the trophy and he was going to get the photo op. Riley Gaines has been going around talking about this, just talking about how it's unfair that men are competing in women's sports, which we all know. This week, she was doing a speech in California. While she's doing her speech in California, she starts getting verbally attacked by all these protesters screaming trans rights are human rights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And during the speech, she physically gets assaulted. When CNN covers this story, they said she alleges she gets assaulted. And they actually said there is no video evidence that she was assaulted physically. But here with Britney Spears story, they covered it and they're talking about, oh, someone needs to apologize for the Spurs. Hopefully the Spurs will speak out against this. They're comparing the basketball player's height, to Britney Spears' height which, again, has nothing to do with the price of tea in China because, again, the basketball player didn't touch Britney Spears. Here we are, two different women, each one claiming assault, but because it's Britney Spears, oh, someone needs to speak up and someone needs to do something about this. And when it's Riley Gaines who's speaking against men competing in women's sports. Oh, she alleges that she was assaulted. There is no physical evidence of her being assaulted. They didn't even cover the actual real story that why is there a man competing in women's sports? That's the thing that I hate. What are your thoughts on it? Now, the headline I love is the national conversation around affirmative action. As you hopefully know, the Supreme Court ruled down affirmative action in college admissions. So no longer can we admit people into colleges based on race, which is common sense and fair. What a lot of people don't realize, the way this conversation always gets spun, but I love it, is it's a black versus white thing. And that's not the case. Affirmative action actually had a lot of other clauses for lots of other races and minorities and groups that were not just black. What I like about this is now the Supreme Court has said and they have established that the playing field is legally even. And if someone is not admitted and you can prove that they were not admitted based on race, you sue and you win. Because that's how it should be. We are at a state now in America in 2023 that if someone is not getting admitted to a college based on their race, what are we doing? What's going on? The playing field is level. I love that this I love this ruling. I love the way it's been handled. It's not about black versus white. It's wrong to give someone preferential treatment based on their race or to hold them back based on their race. So that's the thing I love. Lastly, the absurdity of the week. How could we not talk about Coke in the White House? Oh, the absurdity of the week sometimes just, just crushed my soul because the absurdities of the week are sometimes so insane that you just like, wow, is this really the world we're living in? We found Coke in the White House. This is another example of, of the embarrassment of this administration. There's a there's a meme going around, floating around right now, and I Actually, you know, I posted it on my Instagram account, but it says we can't stop fentanyl at the border while there's coke in the White House. And this is just crazy. The fact that we're even discussing this on this podcast right now shows you how absurd it is. It's also a reflection on how this administration is a total embarrassment to the country and how we're an embarrassment to the world now because of this kind of thing. I am literally speechless on this topic. There's not much more I can say about it. The only thing I can say was that cocaine was found in the Situation Room. The White House claims that room was not being used right now at the time. It's under construction. They also said that the Biden family was away at Camp David because this was during the Fourth of July weekend. How much more embarrassing is that that While we're celebrating our nation's independence, this is what's going on in our White House. Cocaine found in the White House. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. That's the absurdity of the week. And that's all I got. Thank you for listening. Please share the podcast. Tell people to listen wherever they listen to podcasts at, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. You've been listening to Rise of the Black Republican, a Team Haley production.